Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. When Lydia was younger, maybe three or four, Lydia is my daughter, and you might have seen her sitting on me earlier messing with my mic. Um, When she was about three or four, we were at a friend's house, and they were riding bikes, and she and her friend decided to have a race. Well, her friend, though being younger than Lydia, was doing better than Lydia at this race, and as it became apparent that Lydia was going to lose, She was having trouble, I think, with the pedals or something. She got off the bike and ran to the finish line saying, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. And then, I'm winning, I'm winning. And I won, I won. She had zoomed ahead of her friend on her bike. And even today, Lydia loves to race. The way that Blake and I get her to bed most nights is by telling her that we're going to win the race up the stairs, uh, which is where her bedroom is, is upstairs. She never lets us win and never seems to care that it's not a fair race, that she gets you know, a very head start, sometimes even before we're at the bottom of the stairs. She's up at the top saying that she won, she won. She must have a competitive streak from somewhere. I don't know where, couldn't tell you. But anyway, sometimes in life we want to win. We want to win. Like little kids, we want to win. And for us, there's victory in winning, the race of life, whatever that may be. But for God, victory looks different, really different. It's not about winning or power. In today's scripture, we hear about a different kind of victory. There's lots of words in Revelation describing the vision that John is having. So let me walk you through what we just heard. John is looking to heaven and sees the throne of God and all the elders and the creatures worshiping. And John is distressed because someone needs to open the seals of the scroll. And in that scroll, there will be God's vision, God's future for the world. So who is worthy to know such an amazing thing? Well, no one can be found, and so John is weeping. And then one of the elders says to him, look, the Lion of Judah that would be Jesus. But instead of a lion, what John sees is a lamb, a lamb that was slain. I don't know exactly what that would have looked like, that lamb standing there, bloody, maybe, in the vision. But instead of a lion, we get a lamb And all the creatures in all the world, human, non-human, all the souls that ever were, I think, worship this lamb who was slain. And as we hear, heard in their songs, all honor and glory and power are worthy 
of this lamb. God works through weakness. God saves and redeems the world through a lamb that was slaughtered for us. How often we expect something of God and get surprised. God, we would think, would be like the lion, and God is. But the ultimate vision in this vision in Revelation is of a lamb. We would think God would redeem the world through a mighty act of power, and instead, redemption comes through sacrifice, through life coming again through the empty tomb. It's like the disciples in the story we heard just a little bit ago on the road to Emmaus. They weren't expecting Christ there on the road, and they were surprised. But... God was shown to them in the breaking of bread. How unusual, how surprising, how ordinary. God is in bread and teaching and weakness and a slain lamb. And here in this vision from Revelation, we are reminded that the lamb is on the throne, which is just stunning to think about. We are ruled by a lamb, a weak lamb. God is on the throne. The lamb has won the victory. God rules over all, and like the song, God's got the whole world in God's hands. God is holding all the world. God is holding all things. Now that means we don't have to. We don't have to win the race of life. We don't have to have it all together. But like Lydia, how often we want to be on the throne of life. How often we want to win all things. How often we worship things that are not the Lamb, but are things of this world whether it's the race for achievement, or wealth, or power, status, friendship, whatever it is, so many other things call for our attention and pretend to be the ruler on the throne of our lives. We think the world revolves around us, but it does not. It would be nice if it did, maybe, but unfortunately, we are not in control. But maybe there's good news in that, too, that we are not the ones in control of our lives and of the world. We don't have to carry and hold all the things that we try to carry. We don't have to win, because sometimes winning is hard, and we have to get off the bike and run. And I hate running. I really do. In family systems, sometimes family systems being sort of a psychological way of talking about the ways that families function, there's this concept known as over-functioning, and it's reverse under-functioning. Sometimes if there's a problem person in the family, like if there's a child who's the black sheep, which is kind of a trope, because we're all both full of mistakes and good things, right? So sometimes if there's a black sheep, there will be other children who try to be perfect, who try to fill the role of the good child. 
And this can happen not just in our families, but in our friend groups, our organizations, our systems, anytime where there's groups of people. That if sometimes people are not pulling their weight, other people will pull more weight to make up for that lack. Or the vice versa is true. If people are doing more than their fair share, other people will say, okay, I'll let you do it. It's like a group project, you know, if you've ever had a group project in school. If you had an overachiever in your group, the other people are very happy to just sit back and not do things because why would you contribute if someone is wanting to do everything, right? Okay, so I, all that's to say that we sometimes find ourselves wanting to be in that control position, in the position of making everything perfect and good, of winning the race. So maybe the invitation from Revelation today is to lay down our need for winning, to just not be in a race, to turn to the Lamb on the throne and add our voices to the chorus of praise that we heard read earlier. This chapter from Revelation is really about the Lamb and the worship of the Lamb. And as we're here today for worship, it makes me think about why do we come to worship? Uh, writer and theologian Marva Dawn has written a book about worship called A Royal Waste of Time because worship produces nothing except beauty and joy and praise. According to the values of our culture, what is the point of worship? Why are we here? Is it a waste of time? Well, according to Revelation, no, it is all that there is. It's a privilege that frees us from needing to be on the throne of life and winning the race. And here, when we worship, just think about this, maybe every time you're here, we are joining our voices not just together, but with all creation. And in doing that, we are making God's rule and reign visible just for a little bit of time here on earth. We experience that worship. It's not just us here, of course, it's people online, but even more than that, it's all of heaven, all of creation worshiping the Lamb with us. So let's lay down our need for winning and join in worship. Let us add our voices to the great choir of heaven. Then we are freed from carrying burdens we don't need to carry. And there we are redeemed by the Lamb. Amen.